With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. We are brought to you by Reality Sports Online. And today I'm joined, as always, by Pat Fitzmorris. Pat, what is going on, my man? Well, just a uh, you know, quiet week of NFL news here in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of fun. I mean, this is the uh, exciting part of the offseason and the, the run-up to free agency in the draft, and we really got things kicked off a little early this year. I know like th- this episode is tight ends and IDPs. And then we had all quarterback news happen, but a little bit of news uh, that uh, is impacting the tight end and the IDP class. And to talk about tight ends and IDP, we have my friend, Gary Davenport at IDP sharks on the Twitter machine to follow him. Uh, you can also hear him on the individual defensive podcast that well, we do uh, during the season. We'll have a couple off season uh, shows for you as well here too but uh gary how are you enjoying the off season as i throw up air quotes because i know it doesn't get that much slower for you oh, oh it's just so quiet and calm and and there was <laughs> there was some tight end news this week the browns franchise tag david and joku for mm-hmm. reasons known only to god and andrew Beer. <laughs> uh well come on you don't want to use a franchise tag on your third tight end Oh, you, and not only did they put the tag on Njoku, then they're like, and oh yeah, we're going to go ahead and pay Austin Hooper too, because I mean, why overpay one crappy tight end when you can overpay two? And Harrison Bryant might be the best tight end on the roster too, so which is <laughs> hilarious to me. But I like it when the Browns do dumb things because I'm a well, Steelers fan. So It happens often. I've been enjoying it for a while. And now that they're doing smart things and the Bengals are doing smart things, I don't like it as much. So, uh, but, but anyway, uh, as you guys know, Gary is a Browns fan and Gary, just so everyone knows where can they find all of your uh, work here? Oh, I'm an NFL analyst at Bleacher Report, right? Some IDP stuff for NBC sports edge, fantasy sharks, football diehards, a little bit of work at the athletic and they're, By the time the spring rolls around, I may have found a couple other places that will let me write for him. Anywhere (laughs) and everywhere that will pay me. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, before we dive in here, we're going to talk about tight ends and a little bit about the rookie tight end class, like I said, and IDPs and the IDP rookie class a bit. I got to let you guys know we have a giveaway for Javante Williams autographed jersey we're doing right now. All you need to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, that is youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Take a screenshot and submit it to fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest. That's fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest. And you are entered in do it as soon as possible as uh, the contest ends at the end of March. Other stuff that uh, fantasy pros has for you is our discord. It's free to enter, uh, but premium subscribers get a whole bunch of other perks like dozens of extra channels, regularly scheduled AMAs, interactive voice chats with our analysts. And if you want to talk fantasy whenever you want or chat with fantasy pros analysts, Check it out. Check out our Discord, fantasypros.com slash chat. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash chat, and you can join our Discord channel. Now, uh, we all, um, I got Gary's top 10 tight ends, uh, Pat's, and mine. So we're going to go by Pat's. We're going to run down this list real quick, and then I'm going to ask you guys a couple questions. Now, uh, well, as we go down the list, excuse me. We all have Pitts and Andrews one and two. And I think that's interesting. I don't, I think most people are going to have Pitts number one because he's so young. He had a ton of receptions. He had a ton of yards. He only had one score, which was the bugaboo, but touchdown regression is coming for him. We know that Mark Andrews just had an outstanding year. Um, even with backup quarterbacks in this Baltimore offense, um, we don't expect Baltimore's defense to be as bad as it was moving forward here, Fitz. But I mean, I feel like the tier, really the top four, but the top two being Pitts and Andrews seem like in just in terms of sheer age, they're probably one and two. Are, are you with me on that? Totally with you. Yeah. I mean, for Pitts to, um, put up such prolific numbers at such an early age in a really suboptimal situation with uh, like no wide receivers uh, to really kind of take the heat off. And we saw him like other teams putting their number one cornerback on him some weeks. And like, it, it got to the point Bogman where I was almost hoping they would line him up in line just so it might get him a matchup with a safety or a linebacker. Um, yeah. yeah. So like with the deck kind of stacked against him, uh, like he still goes over a thousand yards. And I mean, it's just like once, once the situation gets better, I can't wait to see the sort of numbers he's going to put up. And then you sort of mentioned it. Um, not exactly great circumstances the entire season for Andrews either playing with, uh, some of his games with Tyler Huntley and even Josh Johnson, and still producing no matter who was at quarterback for the Ravens. And this was even after they brought in Rashad Bateman, which really didn't have any sort of, uh, you know, negative effect on Andrew's targets or, or other numbers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, it was a pretty easy one, two. You know, I know other people might still want to have Kelsey ahead of Andrews, but for me, it's a, a pretty easy choice. Yeah, and and Gary, the real difference here is that, you know, uh, Kyle Pitts is six years is 11 years younger than uh, Kelsey and Andrews is six years younger than him. And that's the big difference. And that's not, you know, uh, Kelsey's amazing. 92 catches, 100, 1125 yards and nine touchdowns again last year. Um, only tied tight end with a hundred targets, three seasons in a row here. Uh, but Pitts 
it, born in 2000, you know, so he's going to turn 22 this year, 110 targets his rookie year, 68 catches over a thousand yards, 15 yards of reception. Uh, not many guys close to that. Um, you know, Dallas Goddard at 14 yards, uh, 14.8 yards per reception was the next closest among these guys, you know, with 50 catches or more at tight end. So to me, it's these two as a top tier with Kelsey and Kittle as the next tier. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, with Kelsey, it's just a matter of age. And with Kittle, it's a combination of durability and the changing situation at quarterback in San Francisco, you know, we just don't know what that offense is really going to look like with Trey Lance. And I don't know that it's going to hurt Kittle a lot, but it's enough for me to drop him below those three guys. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where I am too. I believe that um, you, you have uh, Pat, you have Kittle at three and, or yeah, you have Kittle at three and Kelsey at four. And then I guess Gary and I uh, both have uh Kelsey three and then Kittle for him. My my only concern there is the Trey Lance change. Uh, even though it's not like Jimmy G is a fantastic quarterback or anything, you know, uh, Trey Lance potentially going through growing pains would be my issue there. Now, uh, the next grouping here outside of Kittle and Kelsey, um, uh, Fitz, you've got Hawkinson at five. I have him at six. Gary also has him at six. You have Waller at six. I have Waller at eight. And Gary, you have Waller at five. And then Pat Furmuth at seven for you, Fitz. I've got him at nine. Gary's got him at eight. So let's talk about that group real quick. Um, Gary, you're high man on Waller here. And obviously rough year for Waller last year, specifically with, uh, you know, injuries and only playing in 11 games, but he still had 55 catches for 665 yards and two scores uh, averaged over 12 points a game, which, uh, you know, is very good. Anytime you can get double digits from a tight end, I kind of count it as a positive here in a PPR league. So what is it about Waller that makes him the fifth tight end for you? Just the athletic upside, the ceiling. And I admit there might be a little more risk there than with a guy like Hawkinson, but I just, at that, once you get past those top four guys, you know, the five, six, seven, eight, there's not a lot separating that group of tight ends. So I can see the argument for, you know, I've got him at five. I can see the argument for dropping him to eight. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, and that's, I just see guys like Pat Freermuth, um, you know, uh, and TJ Hawkinson, I just see these guys as guys that can take that leap. Fitz, do you think that these guys uh, are going to take the leap and push into that top four group? Or do you think that that's a pretty solid top four for a while? The second group is pretty good too, but it's pretty much solidified as the second group. I think it's going to be uh, really hard for anyone to crack that top four group. I'd kind of be surprised uh, or, or wouldn't be surprised if we saw the top four look exactly the same next year. Um, like uh, Hawkinson is an interesting one just because of the late season emergence of Amon Ross St. Brown. And we know DeAndre Swift is going to come back. So the, the target distribution is going to be sort of interesting in Detroit next year. And they might not be done adding wide receiver talent. Uh, they're going to get Quintez Cephas back from injury. They might draft someone in the you know day one or day two. So um that's like a concern for Hawkinson. And the reason I'm not like wildly over the moon about him, even though I've got him at number five, uh, you know, Darren Waller is a little bit older and, you know, 
was kind of disappointing after week one last year. There were injuries involved. Um, you know, Fryermuth was certainly, he had a promising rookie year, but a lot of it was touchdown related. We didn't see a lot of big plays. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like in Pittsburgh in the coming years. So, um, yeah, it, after the top four, I agree with Gary that there's not much separation and you could kind of make a lot of different cases for a lot of guys, but like big drop off, I think after four. Yeah, somehow I'm the Steelers fan and I'm the low man on Pat Furmuth. I, I don't understand how we get there. Uh, you've I seen do, Mason. You've seen Mason Rudolph play more than we have. That's it. <laughs> that I mean, honestly, Gary, that is it. Yeah, and uh, you know he earned Roethlisberger's trust immediately, and, and it was almost a blessing that Eric Ebron, you know, was out of the the picture fairly quick in Pittsburgh this year, uh, because Furmuth was able to grow and hopefully. Whoever comes in next, you know, thank God it's not actually Deshaun Watson, but, uh, you know, whoever comes in next will uh, throw to him and have success throwing to the tight end because that's always, you know, Stafford forever. I mean, the Lions tried to draft him a tight end. He's just not really a tight end guy. You know, uh, they, they tried like Brandon Pettigrew and a couple other guys. They drafted him TJ Hawkinson and Hawkinson had over a hundred targets uh, two years ago as last year with Stafford. But it always feels like to me, for whatever reason, Hawkinson is either hurt or playing hurt like almost most games. I know his rookie year, he had an ankle injury like week one that lingered the whole year. And then we saw him with a hundred targets the, the following year. And then with, uh, you know, uh, Jared Goff, obviously his performance went down as well. Um, rounding out the top 10 tight ends here. We've got uh, Dallas Goddard at eight for Fitz. I've got him at 10. Gary has him at seven. You have Trey McBride at nine, which is very interesting. I haven't put rookies in here but I think he would probably be uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. This is interesting. Albert O, who, Pat, you were high on him coming into this. And then, spoiler alert, obviously, um, we had the the trade and everything that's not going to be official till the 16th, but uh, Noah Fant moving over to Seattle makes a ton of room for Albert Aquabunum uh, from Denver. Then you have Noah Fant at 11. Um, you have Dawson Knox at 12. Uh, I have fan at 10. Gary has him at 12, probably going to be a little movement on him going to Seattle as well. And then Gary and I both have Dawson Knox in our top 10, uh, seven for me, nine for Gary and guys, I got Schultz way high here at five. So uh, neither one of you have him in your top 10. So we're going to talk. I about actually, him. Did, I actually okay. moved Schultz into my top 10 and dropped fan, fan out, out after, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So, uh let's start with uh let, let's start with Albert O. Uh Albert Aquabunum. Uh you know, look, uh, I call him Albert O because I do a lot of shows with John Lobb and God bless John Lobb. I can't say these guys names. Uh I I tried to get him to say Chigazima Conquo a thousand times on our college <laughs> fantasy right? football pod. Yeah. <laughs> college fantasy football pod and he just uh he calls him look, I'm going to call him Chigo. Okay? So that's that's his name. Um, which I think he wants to go by Chig anyway. But uh, let's talk about Albert O and his ascendancy here. Uh, obviously, Russell Wilson coming in, Noah Fant going out. Everything opens up for uh, for Albert O here, and he is a great pass-catching tight end out of Missouri. So, Fitz, what is it about him? Because you had him even before this. Even before this trade, you were high on him by like 10 spots, uh, according to ECR. 
So what is it about Albert O that uh, you like? Yeah, uh, the athleticism just really pops. And we, and we like, it shows up, too. Uh, the only thing I think missing is the consistent diet of targets. And now, you know, suddenly the, the clouds have parted. And, uh, you know, we've got not only a way for him to uh, a clearer path to targets, but targets that are not coming from Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, but are instead coming from Russell Wilson. So um, higher quality targets and more of them. And this is a dude who I just think with his big play potential, the, um, you know, 100th percentile speed score to go with that, you know, what, six, four and a half, six, five frame, 258 pounds. The guy looks like he has been sculpted or chiseled. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm just so excited about the athleticism. And I think if he gets that steady diet of targets, like give enough tight ends, targets and there are a lot of guys who could put up 600 yards in a season but i think albert o has the big play potential to uh you know take the same sort of target volume and give us an 800 yard maybe a 900 yard season like i'm i'm really hoping he can be everything that evan engram was supposed to be oh that's uh i mean that that's good uh because evan ingram is he's Teams are still in on him because of his athleticism. They're still calling the Giants about him, which I think is hilarious. Like we've seen, he's a great athlete. The guy can't stay on the field, right? Uh, so obviously he's had some rough. Um, he had, you know, the corpse of Eli Manning throwing to him and then uh, Daniel Jones. So it's, he hasn't had the best options, but uh, yeah, it, it seems like he just has not been able to put it together. It, the I hands mean, are a little iffy too, if we're being yeah. honest. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, Eric, Eric Ebron is the same thing. There's a lot of tight ends that have stone hands. I mean, I remember that was Jeremy Stevens' name. You know, I called yeah. him Jeremy Stone Hands forever because the dude would get wide open and just biff when Matt Hasselbeck would throw him the ball. It happened so many times. Yeah, but I've got to say, Bogman, and not to, sorry, I'm no, talking please. over you, but dropping Jeremy Stevens and Brandon Pettigrew already. It's like this trip down memory lane. I mean, this is just. <laughs> uh, hey, look, man, I, I I like a good tight end, you know. Uh, then, then why are you mentioning Jeremy <laughs> Stevens? And <laughs> Brandon because Pettigrew. I even like the crappy tight ends, obviously. So, uh, and look, Jeremy Stevens to the Steelers, a bunch of favorites dropping uh, balls at Super Bowl 40. So, uh, you know, look, uh, th there are tons of guys that, that, that are going to be good. I love this move for Albert O and Gary, like, um, like Fitz said here, he's going to get, you know, he's not just athletic and a great athlete and all that stuff, but he's going to get one-on-ones against the linebackers because these teams are going to be covering Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler will completely take the top off of defense. So this is going to, you know, we know that the Bucks just won the Super Bowl by grabbing their quarterback and dropping him in. The Rams just won their Super Bowl by grabbing their quarterback and dropping him in. So it would not be surprising to see Russell Wilson make this transformation uh, to Denver and put them in, in the playoffs and have a deep run. Obviously, the defense needs to shore up some stuff, um, you know, before that can be a real possibility. But Albert O it gets a huge boost here with a Hall of Famer throwing him the football rather than Drew Locke, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Russell Wilson and Wilson, I mean, he doesn't throw to the tight ends a ton, or at least he did in Seattle, but he also doesn't, you know, he's not Matt Stafford. He doesn't ignore them. So I, he's definitely a guy that, you know, a week, 10 days ago, I don't think anyone would really say, Hey, that's a guy who has an excellent shot at being a top 10 tight end this year. 
Now, I mean, it's a real possibility, and he's a guy who could fly under the radar in a lot of drafts. Yeah, I I think he's going to, and this is a good time uh, to potentially trade for him as well. Um, look, uh, look t- tell me why Dawson Knox isn't in your top ten, Fitz. I I just want to hear that real quick because look, th- the way I look at it is he's got Diggs on the outside, he's got Gabe Davis on the other side. Josh Allen's a running threat. He's going to get one on ones. He's big body guy, um, and has had success. Uh, so why, so like Alberto is already ahead of Dawson Knox for you. And I, I think, I think the ceiling is for sure higher for Albert. O. but, um, I, I like Knox a lot too. So what is it about Knox that move, pushes him outside of your top 10? Yeah. Again, there's really not a lot of separation here in this okay. tier. And I would say they're on approximately the same tier. Um, okay. you know, and like, I like Knox, I've got him on a couple of my teams and I'm, I'm very pleased with the direction of his career, the, the trajectory. Um, maybe it is. I'm a little bit worried about, uh, the presence of Steph Diggs and Gabriel Davis and like whoever else they're going to have bring into, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be Beasley or Isaiah McKenzie, but like there's, there's ball distribution, uh, in Buffalo, like Allen kind of likes to spread it around. I think a lot of Knox's value has been, you know, touchdown related. Um, so like, I have no real issues with him and I, I like the way things are pointed. I just don't know if he can be like an 800, 900 yard tight end, like Albert O could potentially be. All right, so uh, can I get on my soapbox for Dalton Schultz real quick and and sure. please uh, tr- try to uh, convince you guys to move him up your rankings? All right, so I feel like she, he should at least be in the top 10, just inside the top 10 for Gary now uh, because guy had 104 targets in 2021. Dak Prescott clearly likes him. Um, Kelsey, uh, the, the, there have been a le- in the last three seasons, uh, there have been 11 tight ends with a 100 target season. Kelsey did it three times. Ertz did it two times. Waller did it two times. Pitts did it his rookie year. Gasicki did it last year. Lane Thomas did it, I believe, in 2019. Hawkinson did it in 2019 or 2020, excuse me. Uh, Kittle, Schultz, Ingram, and Mark Andrews just this year. I mean, he should get really two points because he had 153 targets this year, which I don't know if he'll ever get again uh, because that Ravens defense shouldn't be that bad. But Schultz is now, to me, probably the number two receiving option in Dallas as well behind CeeDee Lamb. Uh, Amari Cooper was cut, and uh, Michael Gallup is going to be restructured and and re-signed, but he's coming off of ACL surgery. So I really like this development of Schultz um, with Dak Prescott. I think they always liked him. I think that Dak likes him a little bit more than Blake Jarwin. I feel like Jarwin is probably the reason why he's not in your top 10 fits is, am I onto something there or is it just, you really like these other guys ahead of Schultz? Well, I've got to maybe take another look at this and and hear more. I've like heard this rumor about Jarwin having some sort of hip issue, and maybe that sort of necessitated the the Cowboys tagging of uh, Schultz. So, um, like, depending on how things shake out there, but like, I do agree. Part of why I was pushing him down the board in the off season was not knowing what the landing spot was going to be, and thinking that he could potentially be, um, you know, just kind of another just a guy 
somewhere else. A, a uh, James O'Shaughnessy, if he ends up in Jacksonville yeah, or something I mean, that's, like that. That's kind of it, Boggs. I mean, do you, do either of you, uh, Boggs or Gary, like think that the talent is exceptional with Schultz? I don't think he's a bad tight end, but I, I just don't know that he's really like a top 10 or even top 15 talent necessarily. I, I would say that he, you're probably right about that because in terms of like, you know, body size and numbers and everything, Fant, I would say has to be considered a better tight end prospect than Schultz, but I'm going to, it's been a couple of years. I'm just going to take the performance that Schultz has put on the field versus what we've seen from fan. And we just haven't seen it from fan and obviously bad quarterbacking. And there's all the memes about how excited he was to hear Russell Wilson. And then he ends up, he's moving with drew lock. We've seen all of those Gary, but um, what do you think about Schultz? You just slid him into your top 10. So is that, is it more about town? Is it more about Dak Prescott being his quarterback? I think it's a little bit. I, I don't know that I'd call him a top 10 talent. I'd probably say top 15. The situation is excellent. My biggest concern would be, I just, you never know when Jerry Jones, the salary cap in Dallas is imaginary <laughs> anyway. Right. And, and you, know, everywhere I, else. you know, I'm half waiting for free agency to open and somehow they wind up with another big name wide receiver. And then that could eat into his target share a little bit. I'm just glad that, I mean, we're talking, we're talking about these top 10 guys and the guys that are being left off this list. It's nice to have a little bit more depth at tight end instead of, I I mean, there were so many seasons where by the time you got to like the eighth ranked guy, you were (laughs) depressed when you drafted him. (laughs) That's true. I mean, these tight ends coming out uh, in these classes, they're just like the wide receivers, right? The wide receiver, the wide receiver classes, become better and better and better and better every single year. And, you know, we talked about this before. It starts at the high school level. The best athletes are wide receivers. The giant best athletes are tight ends or quarterbacks. And then the fast guys are corners and the guys that love to hit a linebacker. So that's kind of how it goes, right? Like, um, you know, I guess the freak athletes that, that can't catch um, are defensive ends. You know, uh, that that's what they eventually go to. So, um, but, but it's, everything moves from wide receiver backwards, wide receiver, tight end, uh, defensive end, and then corner and then linebacker. And, you know, the rest doesn't matter as much, but, uh, um, just in terms of athleticism, but, uh, it just seems to, to be going that way. And look, let's talk about this rookie class a little bit because Fitz, you've got Trey McBride inside your top 10 already. I, I would say I've. I hate ranking guys before they land because it's just, it's so huge, but I, I don't imagine too many scenarios where he's not inside my top 10. So I agree with you. I think he's great, but there are other guys kind of pushing him. I think Greg Dolkich pushes him. I think Gary's boy and he'll gush about him. Don't, don't you guys worry. Jeremy Ruckert probably is inside that, that top couple because Gary's an Ohio state fan, but tell me what about Trey McBride? Uh, is the separator for him versus the other guys in this class. Yeah, um, like the athleticism kind of pops on tape, I think. And just that he, it seems like he was doing the same sort of things for Colorado State that he is going to be doing at the NFL level. The usage seems like it was sort of NFL caliber usage. But to have the sort of um, target share he had in you know a, a not very prolific passing game, um, you know, I'm not not really worried at all that he sort of did the Kyle Pitts thing and had a lot of yards and catches and only one touchdown. Um, 
you know, I just like, I think he's at the head of this class. I do think it's like a, a very interesting tight end class. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be the first tight end off the board and hopefully to like a, a team that's, um, got plans for a tight end, a team that's ready to like use a tight end, um, the chargers and not the jets is exactly, what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I completely agree with you there. Uh, Gary is Trey McBride number one on your board. And why is it Jeremy Ruckert? <laughs> no, it's Trey McBride. <laughs> I just, McBride just does everything. Well, I mean, there isn't really, you look at his tape. There's not this flaw that stands out. You know, he can catch the ball. He can move with the ball when he's got it in his hands. He's a decent blocker. I mean, I think he's easily the number one tight end. Dulcich isn't that far behind him, but I would be pretty surprised if McBride isn't the first tight end taken. Yeah, I think I would be too. Dulcich, yeah. Look, Rucker is going to go high. I think Rucker is a better NFL tight end than a fantasy tight end uh, because he was used so much in line blocking at Ohio State for that run game. But you gotta, you guys got to remember, Olave and Wilson might be the two first two wide receivers off the board in this draft. And they were on the same team as Jeremy Rucker. Dawson Knox had a ton of that too. He had DK Metcalf and AJ Brown on his team at Ole Miss. He scored zero touchdowns in college. Not one did any scored a touchdown his first game as a pro Dawson Knox did, which uh, is a little, I think it was his first game. I might be making that up, but in first season for sure um, early in the season too, because I just remember that being a thing and uh, Dawson Knox putting up a lot of good numbers at the combine. So um, look, there's other uh, good tight ends in this class too. I like Jelani Woods. I think he really stood out at the, uh, the combine uh, Chigazima Conquo from Maryland has been a guy that I've liked uh, as well. Is there anyone else in this rookie class that uh, you've been um, that, Probably is going to move up or down depending on landing spot for you, uh, Fitz. Is there one that stands out to you? I mean, Jake pa- uh, Jake Ferguson has been the best pass catcher for my Wisconsin Badgers for like the last <laughs> three years, probably. And, and um, here I was worried about Gary Schilling for Ohio State. Yeah, exactly. So it's okay. I, I, I get it. Show with the best of them, Bogman. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, and, um, Charlie Collar maybe is kind of a, interesting depending on where he goes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Kohler has, uh, he's a guy that uh, production, a lot of good production numbers for him. Uh, anybody else that, that you like, Gary, from this class that you're excited to see where they land? I I love Wood's ceiling. I just think it might take a little while for him to get there. I mean, I think he's a perfect candidate for a dynasty league where you've got a taxi squad, where you can yeah. just kind of stash him for 2022 let him get a year in the NFL under his belt and then say 2023, 2024. That's when we're really going to be talking about him potentially making a fantasy impact. I mean, I feel like y'all have grouped together to make me do this and give Jalen Weidermeyer some credit here because I think he's going to be very high in this class uh, and he is a Texas A&M Aggie. But look, Weidermeyer wasn't even supposed to be the guy for the Aggies. They um, recruited this kid named Baylor Cup who was the number one tight end and the number one tight end prospect coming out of high school uh for a i can't remember who was higher than him but it was for a long time and baylor cup unfortunately fractured his leg in spring uh practice um uh, early in their uh 
freshman season. I want to say rookie season, their freshman season. And Weidermeyer took over and has been the guy at Texas A&M since then, even with Baylor Cup still on the roster. So uh, Weidermeyer has already beaten odds. Uh, and, uh, you know, him being the number two tight end would not be uh, that surprising here. Before we move on and talk more about tight ends, I got to tell you guys, about reality sports online by now most of you have probably heard of reality sports online the powerful fantasy sports platform uh, where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an nfl general manager but the question is have you tried it it's time to go see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about free agency multi-year contracts a rookie draft multi-team trades franchise tags contract extensions first round rookie options automated contract and salary cap functionality and much much more this does it you think it sounds complicated right it's not the best thing about reality sports online fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league uh it, it re just requires more strategy think you're among the fantasy elite well this is a platform to test your metal still not sure you can test your general manager skills for free frwe and a mock free agency auction if you like what you see use a promo code fantasy pros to receive a 10 percent discount on your team or league today fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com check it out so moving down the list fits was there any were there any other tight ends that stood out to you because um i mean there are guys that i love uh, you know, that have just not broke through. I'm a big Adam Troutman fan. I know you're high on Brevin Jordan. Um, Irv Smith is kind of in that group as well. A lot of people were very disappointed when he got hurt last season and was not able to play and had to be stuck on IR um, because it just seemed like he was going to have a big year. Tyler Conklin stood out a little bit there as well. So is there anybody else that you want to talk out, talk about in terms of dynasty tight ends here? Cole Komet, I think is kind of a baller. Um, I, I've got him just, uh, I think, what, tight end 13 in Dynasty. Um, tough situation last year coming in. And, uh, you know, then all the red zone targets were going to Jimmy Graham, unfortunately. But, um, you know, like, I think he uh, is going to be a chain mover for the Bears for a long time. And hopefully he gets those uh end zone red zone targets because he is the one who deserves them uh really good young player um yeah and brevin jordan you mentioned him i mean i think i've got him just barely inside my top 20 uh you know still very encouraging what we saw from davis mills last year but you know still not exactly a high-powered passing game um uh, go, go ahead. ahead no 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 i was just gonna say one to watch but, um, you know, I'm not like ready to throw draft picks at the, uh, you know, the Brevin Jordan stakeholder in my leagues to, to try to acquire him. Right. He's that taxi squad type of guy that Gary was mentioning before. Gary, is there any other non-rookie tight ends that uh, you, you would like to maybe grab and stash that you think have a bright future? Oh, I guess there could be some there there with Donald. Pa I know Donald Parham is going to be a guy a lot of people are going to talk about over the summer because people talk about Donald Parham every summer. I'd love for Harrison Bryant to actually be able to get some targets in Cleveland, but no, he has to be the third tight end. And CJ Ozama, I, you know, I think the potential's there. It's just a matter of getting consistent targets. And it might be a year or two, assuming that he hangs around Cincinnati before that's going to be a possibility. At some point, the Bengals are going to have to do something with those wide receivers. They're not going to be able to keep afford all three of them. So right. something's going to give, and at that point, maybe he'd finally get a bump in targets, but that's a whole lot of maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about TJ Uzama right now is he's a red zone target with upside, right? That's kind of what he is in that offense. But I think you cut, you drop any tight end into that Bengals offense and they're a red zone target with upside because Chase and all those other guys are going to be, uh, you know, getting so many targets and stuff. And I have, I've been known, I know you guys are really surprised after all the names that I've thrown out at tight end already. I've been a guy that I'll hold on to a tight end for too long. Right. I just, I'll just say, I love this guy right now. I'm doing it with Adam Troutman in like every single league. Um, uh, but, but I, I still, uh, they got to get a tight, uh, they got to get a quarterback. You can't have Taysom Hill. And we know that Jameis Winston is like Matt Stafford on steroids in terms of throwing the ball to the tight end guy had OJ Howard, who was like the number one tight end prospect in the history of football. And he didn't do anything with, with these guys. Now half that's OJ Howard. I think the other half can be blamed on Jameis Winston. Um, but my guy right now is Tommy Tremble uh, for Carolina because um, I, I could just, you know, someone compared him to George Kittle in the pre-draft process last year. And I could, I can just see it. The guy's a good inline blocker, a terrible quarterback play at Notre Dame, uh, which is why guys like Kevin Austin and Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool kind of go under uh, you know, under the radar coming into the process, you know, it takes Chase Claypool has to put up, you know, Calvin Johnson uh, scouting numbers to, to get himself some buzz and, and all that stuff, because the quarterback play has been so subpar at Notre Dame for a while, pretty much since Brady Quinn. So, um, you know, but they always recruit athletes. And I think Tremble is one of those guys that if utilized properly uh, can be a huge part of this offense, but, you know, Carolina's rough right now with Sam Darnold. And uh he is, yeah, Gary just mouthed that he is an issue for sure. And if they trade Christian McCaffrey, what the hell does that whole offense look like? Right. So uh lots of questions moving forward there. But uh look, uh this is this is my fault. So look, if if you guys don't like IDP, uh I, I understand right now, but uh let, let me say this: give it a chance. Because I'm a huge IDP guy. I do the individual defensive podcast with Gary Davenport during the season and, you know, during the preseason. So we are IDP gods. Uh, guys, this guy right here is the IDP god, the godfather of IDP, Gary Davenport. So I'm excited to talk some dynasty rankings with you here. So, Pat, real quick, uh, before before you mute your mic and go away, um, what is your experience with IDP? I know it's uh, not a format that you play in a ton of leagues, but, uh, I'm, I'm sure you play a couple or have played a couple, right? Have played a couple and, um, they were limited. I think it was usually, um, the leagues I played in were, you know, one defensive lineman, one linebacker, one, uh, defensive back. And if I'm going to play in an IDP, IDP league, I would rather be a little more all in than that and have, uh, you know, more than, carry more than three or four individual defensive players on the roster. Like I'm sure the formats that uh, you and Gary play in are, you know, something that if I was exposed to them, I would be more excited about. Right. And this is my comparison. And I know not every fantasy footballer plays uh, uh, every fantasy baseball player plays fantasy football. But if you play fantasy baseball, right. If I told you that you had to switch to picking a pitching staff instead of pitchers, 
you would be furious at that. I know you would be mad because you want to take your individual pitchers uh, because you don't want to, you don't want your whole staff depending on, you don't want the Met staff depending on Tyler McGill at the end. You don't want Jacob DeGrom depending on Tyler McGill at, at the end of the day. So I just, uh, I started playing fantasy football with IDPs, which is a rarity. I know. Uh, and I understand that most people don't, but um, it makes you appreciate both sides of the ball when you can get points from guys like TJ Watt, like Miles Garrett, uh, like Bobby Wagner, who was just unfortunately released. And uh, I know some of these, we did these rankings and I put this sheet together uh, about five days ago. And then yesterday we get all this craziness. So Bobby Wagner is going to move down. He may not move down my list, but I think he's going to move down. Gary's a little, come on, Gary. Gary's already shaking his head. You're not moving Wagner down. Not much. I mean, honestly, he's Bobby Wagner. He has more tackles than any player in the NFL since 2005. His career did not start until 2012. Now, um, that's a crazy stat, by the way, that that's insane. Uh, but there was someone that told me that they are credited more tackles in Seattle and Buffalo than other places. I can't remember who it was that told me that maybe it was Gary Davenport. Yeah, it was Gary. So, uh, look, um, uh, we have our, our rankings available. And, and if, uh, you want to just take a look mine are on, uh, in this league, uh, Gary, are yours at, uh, draft charts? Where, where are your rankings available? Where can I find my them? rankings? I don't have 2022 rankings up yet. Those will probably go up at NBC sports edge. NBC sports edge. Okay. So, uh, mine are in the ECR. So you just have to, you know, m- m- the, my IDP, my uh, ITL Patreon to find them. But look, I'll, I'll break it down real quick. Just, just to start um, the top four are the same, not the same order for us, but Roquan, I have at one, you have it two. I have Micah Parsons at two. You have him at three. I have Darius Leonard at three. You have him at one. And we both had Devin white at four. So um, this is, it's, a consensus ranking in IDP is something that is eye-rolling and completely inconsistent. There's a couple reasons why. Number one, there's not a lot of basis to go off of. Not a lot of people are ranking IDP, and there's not, you're not going to get that top five like you are for, you know, a regular redraft league that's like, you know, your top running backs, which this year is a little different and it's a little more dicey than it has been in the past, but for the most part, the first round among most rankers is the same. It's not that way in IDP. So for Gary and I to not talk about this for three months and then come back and have the same four guys in the top four is fairly rare. So I was surprised to see that Gary, but that has to be the cutoff there. Those top four, that's the tier moving forward. Do you put anybody else in that group of your top four? No. I mean, those are the super elite, linebacker anchor and they're going to cost you if you want one but i mean those are the guys where you're setting and forget you don't have to worry about whether or not so long as they can stay on the field they're going to put up numbers for your team and give you an edge over the other linebackers and the other thing that i forgot to mention is that our rankings and i mean i think i'm i'm correct on yours too gary is we we follow the standard IDP point system where you're getting more points for tackles. So those middle linebackers like Roquan and Darius Leonard, um, Bobby Wagner, who you mentioned has the most tackles since 2005 and his career started in 2012, which is just insanity. Um, But uh, you know, those 
those guys offer more. There are other scoring formats that can be in some leagues that offer more points to sacks and interceptions. Our rankings would of course change. We'd bring defensive ends way, way up guys like, you know, I mean, if TJ Watt qualifies at defensive end, um, he would be your number one player. Miles Garrett would be in the mix as well. I mean, depending on who you root for, that might change that as well between Miles Garrett and TJ Watt, but they're, they're one, two, uh, uh, on, on the edge. A lot of people, I saw this Gary, um, in the off season here, you made some switches to positions over at MFL and people were very upset, right? You get that every year, right? Send your hate mail to at IDP sharks. Yes. And that's <laughs> Yes, and that's why I'm lobbying. I don't know whether it's going to happen or not, but I'm lobbying right now, trying to get them to essentially move four three defensive ends and three four rush linebackers like TJ Watt would be classified as defensive ends. Yeah. Three four defensive ends and four three tackles would be classified as tackles. And then the linebackers would be your off-ball guys. So essentially, because a three four outside linebacker has a lot more in common with a four three defensive end than he does with a four-three linebacker. It's just, and with the, especially in today's NFL, because a team can say, "Okay, we're running a three-four defense," except no, they're not. I mean, seventy-plus percent of the time, <laughs> they're going to be in a four-two-five. That's right. what everybody's run. Everybody's in the nickel or the dime all the time now. So I, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to get them to do that. There has been pushback from some in the IDP community which has given the folks at MFL some pause regarding making a change that big. So I don't know that it's going to happen, but you like, you played in death match last year, Bob, and, and we mm -hmm. had those position designations yeah. there. So, I mean, even if they don't at my fantasy league, at least you can change the guy's positions to however right. you want. It. I know you can do that on uh fan tracks as well. You can switch guys position to how you want it. If you don't agree with, you know, the system, but also at, I know at fan tracks, you can, you know, flip stuff like you can just switch to edge and then they drop the guys all that are edge rushers into edge. So it, it's, it's weird too, in terms of like franchise tags and stuff too, because, you know, you franchise a guy that is a edge rusher, then you call him a defensive end versus calling him a linebacker. One position is going to pay him more money. So I know that's a big thing with Mike Kosicki getting the tag right now because he barely lined up in line. He had more snaps outside as a wide receiver than he did as an inline blocker. So there's stuff that goes with that as well. So if we're trying to mirror the game, I, I'm with you, Gary. Let's switch these guys to what they actually play on the field versus a designation, whether they stick their hand on the ground or not. I think that's a little silly. So, um, but it, th this is another reason why some people don't play, uh, you know, IDP because there is some, some stuff in terms of position stuff, but I, you have that everywhere. I guess Gesicki should probably be a wide receiver. And if he's a wide receiver, he's no longer like in your top 12 to 15 tight ends. He's now a tight end or wide receiver 30 or something. Oh, you know? I, look at Cordero Patterson last year. Right. I mean yeah, running back and wide receiver. So, uh, yeah, there that 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 stuff happens, and it is a rarity, but more guys. So, um, D Gary, um, our list is different. In you don't value defensive backs at all in redraft or dynasty. Now, I knew you didn't in redraft because we've talked about this for years, but in dynasty. It's the same philosophy. I understand why, but why don't you tell everyone why you don't like defensive backs? It, you, and it, not that you don't like defensive backs. You don't value them when you're taking them high because 
Oh, Honestly, my IDP philosophy period really doesn't change a ton from okay. redraft to dynasty because there's just so much that can change on a defense from year to year. I mean, you get right. a new defensive coordinator comes in, installs a different scheme, and everything about that defense can change. So I generally don't look too far ahead on defense. Defensive backs are inconsistent. There are a few that the truly elite guys are fairly consistent, and those guys are in a category of their own, but there aren't many. Defensive backs are inconsistent, and there are a jillion of them. So I just wait in a draft. I'm not going to have a Boo Baker or a Derwin James on my team 99 times out of 100. I'm going to wind up with, you know, Jalen Thompson that I grab super late. And if the guy I grab late doesn't perform two weeks into the season, he gone, and I'll go to the waiver wire and grab another one. I've been turning and burning defensive backs for well over a decade, and it's just a system that works for me. So, yeah, I, I, I know that your rankings, your top defensive backs, I don't think I have a defensive back in my top 20. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and I have, I have a couple, obviously uh, I have guys like Derwin James high and stuff like that. And I felt bad about ranking the top defensive back as high as I did. I given my choice, they'd be like 42 would be the top guy. I mean, I've got Jamal Adams at six, you know what I mean? Like Jamal Adams still incredibly, incredibly valuable. Uh, Buda Baker off a bad year. I have him outside of my top 10, but well, I got him at 11 derwin james has been injury play but i have him at 12 because when he's on the field he's just incredible so uh, for me uh, i'm less about in dynasty uh, i'm also the guy i like to be able to take a defensive back and not think about it until the guy gets hurt now if you take derwin james you're probably going to be thinking about it at the draft you know what i mean because he's had injury issues you might want to get on that horse if you uh draft John Abram, but John Abram has been great when he plays. So uh, these guys do get hurt, uh, but there's more defensive backs on the field too. Like you mentioned, a lot of teams going to four, two, five. So um, I just want to mention, because like I said, the top 50, which is what I did here um, with, with Gary, we're not going to have all the same 50 guys on the list. And there are guys where we differ. And I just want to kind of like, I just campaigned, for Dalton Schultz, I want to campaign for a couple guys that I didn't see in the top 50 for Gary. And then I made the list for Gary too. So you can retort with guys that are in your top 50 that aren't in mine. So uh, here, here it goes. Here's a couple guys I'm going to campaign for. My first guy is Nick Bolton. I've got Nick Bolton at 14. And look, um, the reason that I have him at 14 is the way he finished the year. This dude had 112 total tackles on only 60% of the snaps. Um, uh, and, uh, oh, actually you did. You put him in, you moved him into the top 30. Have I already con have I already convinced you on Nick Bolton or was it just an oversight? That was a tad of an oversight on my part. Okay. My biggest concern okay. with Nick Bolton is that the Chiefs, I mean, at least in the they past. They love rotating those guys. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. maybe we won't see as much of a rotation now that Anthony Hitchens has been cast away, but they could also turn around and draft a guy and we could be in the same situation again. I mean, if Nick Bolton's going to be out there, you know, 80, 85% of the snaps, you know, now we're talking. Yeah. There's some concern there. That said, you're probably going to be able to get him in. I don't know that I draft him inside the top 20 linebackers, but if I could get, if I could get him as, say, a third starter, I'm going to feel okay about that. 
Okay. All right. So we're we're in there. We're in there together. The next guy, Josh Allen, uh, the other Josh Allen, the one that actually pushed the Steelers into the playoffs with his gigantic Week 17 performance against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I've got him at 21. I think he's going to get better as the Jaguars get better. And in the wins for the Jaguars, which obviously were few and far between, they only had three this year. They're picking number one overall. But in those wins, when he was able to pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. Uh, he, his low total was eight and a half points. I think it was 14 and 17 in the other two wins were his points. And if you're getting into double digits for a defensive end, no defensive end or defensive lineman, excuse me, no defensive lineman average double digits last season. So if you can get those constant double digit games from a guy like Josh Allen and plus he's young. And, you know, I feel like personally, that since they just franchise Cam Robinson, that they are not taking Evan own they're not taking Evan Neal, excuse me, at that number one pick. I think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. So now you're going to have a defensive line with Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau, whoever they end up taking, plus Josh Allen on that other side. One of those dudes is going to be getting one on ones. So it's going to be it's going to wreak havoc on uh, opposing teams' backfield. So I'm going to move Josh Allen up a little bit. Um, I mentioned John Abram before the injuries are a little consistent, but um, he's been outstanding when he's on the field. I have Mika Fitzpatrick at 25. This is not a Homer thing. I've seen two things from Mika, right? The year he went to Pittsburgh, they didn't need him to come up and make tackles. He sat back, he ball hawked, he scored three touchdowns. I mean, the dude got the ball in his hands and he scored three times this year. Obviously, uh, the middle linebackers were an issue. Devin Bush, last ranked PFF linebacker among qualified linebackers, 82 out of 82. He was god awful. So, Minka Fitzpatrick was making every tackle. It's not something that we've seen him do it. It's also part of the reason why he left Miami to go to Pittsburgh. He demanded that trade was Brian Flores, and Brian Flores is back with Pittsburgh now, which is kind of funny here. But, um, We've been we've seen him produce whether he's playing a bot as a box safety or he's playing as a free safety. So that's why I think he's a little bit safer. The last guy on the list that you didn't have outside of, I mean, I've got guys like McKinney, Cameron Curl, Javon Holland, Kyle Duggar, Landon Collins, Harrison Smith, all inside my top 50. You know, that, but they all play defensive back. So Gary's not going to have them inside his top 50, right? So the only the only other guy that I had that I was surprised that you didn't have was Bobby O'Karake. And I know he's playing next to Darius Leonard, but he played 98% of those snaps and he wraps up. He, he just racks up all those tackles and Darius Leonard has been known to miss some time. Uh, the only other guys that you didn't have in your top 50 that I did were guys that are like borderline top 50 guys for me. Ernest Jones, I had at 44 Dre green line at 47 Tracy Walker at 49. So those were my guys. Did I talk you into moving anybody up there, Gary? I don't have any beef with Okereke. I can see putting okay. him inside the top 50. I mean, he doesn't – his ceiling's not great with Leonard there, and he's not going to make a ton of big plays, or at least he hasn't to this point in his career. But I think he's a steady tackle producer. Josh Allen, I just I, – the Jaguars are just a black hole of suck, and <laughs> no joy can escape. And it, it's it has enveloped the defense as well, and and I just I keep them off my team if at all possible. Those kind of guys would have, like Miles Jack. I don't know how far Miles Jack will have to fall. 
for me. Well, to Miles drive. Jack is just like he's a problem. And, you know, and even then, I would feel dirty. I mean, I would have to take a shower after drafting. Yeah, Miles look, Jack. I mean, you can draft Miles Jack, but he's going to end up getting suspended at some point. Like it happens and, every year. And you, you have know? a point that Allen's stock could go up if if the Jaguars are going to draft an edge rusher with that first overall pick. I'm not ruling out them taking a tackle, even though they franchise tag Cam Robinson, because it's the Jaguars, and we always have to keep in mind the possibility that the Jaguars do something stupid. Because well, look, the Jaguars. You're, you're not wrong, but I think, uh, in, in Pat, you, you could probably relate to this. Um, I still think Trevor Lawrence is going to be an outstanding quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I know he had a bad year, but I am fully throwing Urban Meyer right under the bus uh, for for that year. And, and uh, Gary will too. Even even oh, yeah. being the Ohio State guy he is, he will throw Urban Meyer no, right under awful. that bus. Do you think um, Do you think the Jaguars are going to have more success in the future with Trevor Lawrence? Or do you think, eh, I don't like what I saw year one and um, it might be rough, Fitz. What do you think of, of Trevor Lawrence moving forward? I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, <laughs> Gary makes a good case for the uh, <laughs> the black hole of suck. Um, <laughs> it, it is interesting though. Like I'm, I'm. Uh, you're, you're getting me um, intrigued by the money on Aiden Hutchinson to be the number one pick overall because I, I think that's a good case, and I think the uh, Neil is still the odds-on favorite. Last I checked, so um, I might have to, uh, I might have to jump on that sooner rather than later. And look, that you know, a big part of specifically that position at defensive line of whether they're going to have success in IDP is they got to be put in position for it. You know, like like we said, um, you know, just by the way, just looking at the Jaguars roster right now, uh, Jawan Taylor is their right tackle. Uh, he's played three seasons, uh, Gators guy. So. You know, they could uh Cam Robinson was 48 out of 83 tackles. So they could draft Evan Neal and just flip Robinson over to right tackle or have Evan Neal play right tackle, however they wanted to do it. I just feel like if you franchise tag that guy, and the Jaguars have an insane amount of cap space. So, you know, even signing Robinson at a high-end deal is not gonna, you know, hinder their plans of who they want to sign uh in this offseason much at all. Um, I think that that's just it's pretty safe to say that they're going to drop him in at left tackle and draft Aiden Hutchinson. I think maybe that's why they did it was they went through this combine process and said, do we really want to spend the money on Evan Neal uh, and, or not spend the money on Cameron Robinson, take Evan Neal and spend the money on the defense. I think they said they saw what they saw at the combine kind of made their final decision of we want Hutchinson. So they franchise Cam Robinson. So I could be wrong. Gary is completely right in the, we don't know what the hell Trent Balky is going to do. And he usually makes the wrong decision. So, you know, Trent Balky uh, has, yeah, he was, his tenures GM in San Francisco was uh, interesting. Right, right. Exactly. And that's why he's in Jacksonville now. Uh, so um, that, that could be a possibility, but, but that's part of it. You know, the defensive ends that are on good teams, Frank Clark is not that great of a defensive end. Right. But, the chiefs are usually winning games. It puts them in a position to go and get sacked. So, um, you know, there's a difference. The Steelers were, the Steelers had the, I believe the second lowest amount of leads in terms of time on the clock this year. And TJ Watts still had 22 and a half sacks. There's a difference between talent and putting a guy in position to succeed. 
I mean, Steelers blitz all the time anyway, but um, you know, there's, there's a difference there. So sometimes it's just a guy being in position. Uh, you know, that's Aaron Donald is really great without a lead, but he's also better in terms of putting up numbers because the Rams usually have the lead and th- this dude can pin his ears back. So um, th- that's part of it, but all right. So those were the guys for me. You said you were, uh, talked into Okereke a little bit or you had no beef with it. Josh Allen, you're, you're not sold on, which is completely understandable. Uh, I, I made a list of guys that you have inside your uh, top 50 that I don't. Brian Burns, the most significant or the highest rank you have at 22. Uh, DeForest Buckner, you have at 25. Shaq Thompson, Saving Collins, which I will have to move up Saving Collins now, probably close to top 50 since today, right before we were recording this, Jordan Hicks got released by the Cardinals. So Zayvon Collins going to be taking over that second middle linebacker uh, role, you would assume, or maybe playing more of a Harold Landry-esque role in uh, Arizona because he, I mean, he was more edge rusher-ish coming out of college. The Cardinals draft him already having guys like J.J. Watt. uh, I don't know. It, it It was a little strange to see him go there, but they're kind of switching his position, which probably might be something that I don't like also, just the messing with his position because Harold Landry is a rare case. Um, but, uh, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons on this list, uh, Kevin Byard, Montez sweat, who do you want to campaign for here, Gary? Who am I too low on? Well, Collins was one of the guys I was going to campaign on, but I don't even have to now anymore. You know, Brian, (laughs) Brian Burns is a guy I think we've already seen put up solid numbers and I expect him to rebound. I mean, I think the talents there, Edge rushers, sometimes they're just down years. I mean, I, you could say the same thing about Max Crosby. I mean, Crosby did not have a great year sack-wise in yeah. 2021, but he was toward the top of the league in pressure, quarterback pressures and hits, which is why he wound up in the Pro Bowl. And, you know, if he can co- convert some of those near misses into sacks, you know, he could rebound into DL2 territory easily. And and I don't I know Cam Hayward is old, but how are you going to leave your boy out to top 50? It's how, dynasty how, how duties. Gonna... He, he was born in 1989, dude. Like yeah, well he's going to retire very soon. Yeah. But you can get two, three more years of Cam Hayward, two, three more years. Of Cam Hayward isn't good enough for you. I, I love you. Look, no. uh, I love Cam Hayward, uh, uh, but be ashamed of yourself. I'm making a dynasty list, Gary. I'm, you know, uh, I, I'm like not I gonna... said, I don't look that far ahead. I'm okay. surprised I don't have more older players in there. I mean, <laughs> like I didn't have any problem slotting Bobby Wagner where I did, and he's 31 years old. He'll be 32 when the season starts. And even with him on the move, I don't see me dropping him more than three or four spots. I mean, he's going to lose some tackle opportunities. Well, not tackle opportunities. If you look Just sternly, yeah. right, if you look sternly at a guy in Seattle, the scorekeeper's like, okay, that was an assist. Right. But, but I mean, if he lands, let's say Chargers, ton of cap space, have a need inside linebacker, Bobby Wagner's from Los Angeles. I mean, if he lands there, he might lose a few stats, but the tackle opportunities and he could be right there in that top five, top 10 again. So I don't know that I'm going to drop him that far. A lot of the rest of them are just nitpicks. Like you said, most of the guys that we're different on, we're talking about guys that are in the 35 to yeah. 50 range. And there's just not much difference between that, you know, 40th rank IDP and the 70th rank IDP. You just right. get into a great big pack of similar rank players where, you know, personal preferences, you know, you 
you're higher on Minka Fitzpatrick than I am. I'm higher than Kevin Byard than you are. And those are essentially the same guy. Right. I just think I think Fitzpatrick is just a couple of years younger, which is why I have him uh, as high as I do. So, uh, but, but that's also a thing that, you know, I think a lot of people see um, these giant IDP lists or, okay, now, you know, like, like Fitz said, playing with three IDPs, is, it's a nice starter, but it's not really fun. Like if you're going to do it, why not just do it? You know, the thing that Gary and I have preached for the last four years is start with three at each position, three defensive linemen, three linebackers, three defensive backs. That's not hard. That's nine total players. If you want to add bench spots, do it, you know, uh, for those backups and bye weeks and stuff like that. But the biggest thing that you just mentioned there is when you're talking in terms of normal IDP scoring and not giving giant bonuses for sacks and interceptions and, you know, tackle numbers and things like that, when you're running your basic, you know, point and a half per tackle, 0.75 for an assist, uh, four for a sack, four for a pick, you know, two for force fumble, two for recovery. That's kind of your basic stuff right there. One for a pass deflection, you know, um, that's kind of your basic scoring. Like Gary said, the difference between really 50 and 100 is minimal in terms of points scored. So you don't have to be intimidated when you look at this long list of players and go, I don't know any of these guys. I guarantee you the, the year after you start IDP, you will say, this is much easier than I thought. It's way more fun than I thought. I don't have to put that much more work into it. And it's way more enjoyable to know that the one safety for Pittsburgh, Terrell Edmonds getting beat on an 80 yard pass isn't going to screw you because your defense gave up six points. Oh, then the extra point to give you 21 instead of 20 to lower you even more points. Now, you know, Oh, Hey, look, Mika Fitzpatrick racked up eight tackles because I picked him and I know Terrell Edmonds sucks and can't tackle anyone. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there, there you go. You get, you get all of those points. So it's not as intimidating um, as people make it out to be. And it's fun, man. It is absolutely enjoyable looking at this rookie class, Gary, um, who are a couple of these guys that stand out to you? Obviously we have the big names in Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau at the very top. We have two uh, big linebackers in the Kobe Dean and Devin Lloyd and Kyle Hamilton is going to be probably a top 10 pick out of Notre Dame. So those are the big, big names. Is there anyone a little deeper that you like in terms of IDP? Oh, there were a ton of edge rushers that looked good at the combine. I mean, I, that is a deep crop. Um, I love, now I'm blanking, the linebacker from Wisconsin. I'll let Leo uh, Chanel. Yes, oh, I will yeah, let our team <laughs> talk him up. I love Chad Muma out of Wyoming. Tested well at the combine, productive in college. You know, Logan Wilson has already shown that those Wyoming kids can come out and put up numbers in the pros. And, you know, the secondary, honestly, the safety class outside Kyle Hamlin, I wasn't supremely impressed with what I saw from them at the combine. But there's going to be a rookie defensive back. There's going to be a rookie defensive back, a safety who will come out of nowhere, will probably get drafted in the fourth round, and by week nine we'll be scooping him up off the waiver wire. And there will absolutely the rookie corner rule. If you play in an IDP league that requires cornerbacks, rookie corners are good because they're not good. And opposing <laughs> quarterbacks, you know, Target you know Aaron Rodgers drops back and surveys the field and sees that rookie and he licks his lips and just targets him over and over again. And that's a good thing in IDP leagues because every time that quarterback gets targeted and has to make a tackle, you get points. 
how many years have we loved Bashad Breland, Gary? I mean, oh, anytime Bashad Breland is on the field, it's great because the dude gets targeted 12 times. He makes six tackles and the ball's coming his way. He might make a play on it. Guy can oh. catch. So Trayvon Diggs was like the best of oh, both worlds yes. and that he got a ton of interceptions, but he really wasn't that good in coverage. So teams weren't afraid to throw at him. So the <laughs> stops were there too. And I mean, he finished, he might've been the top defensive back overall in some scoring systems last year. Yeah. I mean, especially in those ones that give you bonus points for interceptions, he was enormous with his 11 picks or whatever it ended up being. His brother's a wide receiver. Like this dude could easily be a wide receiver. It would not be shocked. I would not be shocked to see Dallas use him. <laughs> at, 11 at interceptions. Out. And like 900 and something yards he gave up. Right, right. Just turn those into, just turn him into a wide receiver, man. He could be great there, but you can't, I mean, those instincts, the guy goes after the ball. He, you know, Marcus Peters uh, is a guy like that who I always call trash. Um, he's better than I give him credit. You know, I called him trash because he's in Baltimore for so long. But, uh, you know, the, the reason uh, why I didn't like Marcus Peters is because the dude would get torched. He's a gambler. He goes uh, like Calvin Ridley. He'll go after the ball, you know? So uh, he, he just, he, he, he makes that decision. Diggs does that too. You can see a lot of similarities. Uh, Diggs absolutely uh, does that too. So um, yeah, look, uh, there, there are other guys here. Like uh, I know Pat, you, you love your guy, Chanel. I mean, you watched him the whole year though. Like um, it, he, he's, He's going to be a green dot guy, right? He's going to get he's going to get the defensive play calls eventually. You think? I think so. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's just a beast. He's you know he's great at finding the ball, and he gets there in a bad mood. And uh, you know the testing at the combine was insane. I think I saw that in the the relative athletic score, his was like ninety nine point ninth percentile, like fourth best among linebacker of like twenty one hundred and some linebackers going back to the eighties. Um, That's so crazy. yeah, I mean, he's going to be like in the right system. He could be just a, a tackle machine right away. I oh, knew that kid Mike, from go ahead, Gary. Mike Wisconsin has ever produced an NFL linebacker. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they are linebacker a for, for, for sure. Um, but, uh, Channing Tindall, uh, I think it's going to be pretty solid. Uh, you know, Gary mentioned Chad Muma. I think he's going to be good. Darian Beavers from Cincinnati was a big leader of that defense that got that team to the playoff. So I, I think he's going to be good. Uh, a testing guy. Troy Anderson from Montana state yeah. had uh, an enormous day. Uh, so in that's, you know, linebackers are the guys that rack up points. So they're always kind of the first spot I look at. Like you mentioned, Gary, this edge class with Hutchinson and Thibodeau in Carl Loftus tested great. Jermaine Johnson had outstanding senior bowl and has just moved himself way up in this process. David Ajabo from Michigan was huge. Trayvon Walker was one of those high score guys too. And I mean, there are going to be guys down the list here boy mafi from minnesota he is uh kind of a prod projectish type of a defensive end arnold abikide uh from penn state reminds me a lot of you know jason Oway, who came out of penn state uh the, the year before kingsley and akbare uh was good my jay sanders was a great edge rusher out of cincinnati and a couple other safeties i just want to mention daxton hill from michigan um probably going to be the second safety off the board i i think at least among most um you know most analysts are putting him at number two behind kyle hamilton like gary mentioned kyle hamilton is kyle, kyle hamilton would be compare him to jamal adams 
in, in this draft, right? Like he is going to go and then there might not be another safety to go until halfway through day two. So I wouldn't be surprised if the second safety didn't go till the middle of the second round. Um, Daxton Hill could climb up. Go ahead, Pat. You, you look oh, like I was you just going to say, say except Hamilton can actually cover. I think so. <laughs> the difference between him and Adam. Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton ran a bad forty at the combine, and I don't know that I have ever seen a group of scouts and TV commentators and everyone less not interested. Yeah. yeah, they did not care at all. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, I mean, whatever. Yeah, the dude is he's like Tyran Matthew with size is how I, I would that that's that's my comparison to Kyle Hamilton. Oh, he's gonna move him all over the field. He he's you know, he's that star player, Jalen Petrie uh, out of Baylor, a guy like that as well, a guy that played multiple positions. So uh it, it's going it, it's this class is going to be good. There's a lot of that's another thing. You know, you get in on IDPs, you know, uh, you're not going to just pay attention to the draft and see where the running backs went and the wide receivers went. You're going to be looking to who's in a scenario, who is going to go and play middle linebacker in uh, Pittsburgh, you know, because Devin Bush sucks and Joe Schobert's old. So they, uh, they need to get somebody. Uh, it can't be Mika Fitzpatrick playing middle linebacker for Pittsburgh. Dude's supposed to play safety. Uh, you know, who's going to play next to CJ Mosley in New York. Who's going to replace miles Jack when he goes insane, you know? So there are many spots you can be looking for in the draft too. It just, it, to me, IDP makes the NFL more fun to me. So uh, just keep that in mind when we're doing this stuff. I know some of you guys have tuned out cause it's IDP, but I guarantee you, if you give it a try, you will love it. So, uh, you know, this is kind of, it's tight ends and Bogman shilling for IDP. Uh, on this show today is pretty much what it is, but uh, that is going to wrap it up for us. Unless there's anything we didn't cover. Is there anything we didn't cover Pat? Man, I think we ran the gamut today. Boggs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a great show. And it was great having Gary on. Cause I know Gary is the, uh, the overlord of IDP and has been for a long time. So it's good the, to hear his perspective. The godfather of IDP, Gary Davenport at IDP Sharks. Uh, you can hear him here and you can hear him on the individual defensive podcast with me over at ITL. Uh, Gary, what do you have coming up? Oh, next week there'll be a ton of NFL free agency stuff. I'll probably do some fantasy stuff. You know, winners and losers for free agency. Once we get past that first wave of free agency, I really want to ramp up the IDP draft preview series at fantasy sharks where i look at the top players i think i've gotten three players done so far i think i did thibodeau muma and kyle hamilton i started with muma just because i wrote that one right around the senior bowl and he was there and then i usually start at the top and kind of work my i try to do at least i try to do a profile on at least the top six seven guys at each position leo chanel is obviously next right so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just for fits yeah well let's Skip Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd, the bums. <laughs> yeah, those those losers. They don't matter at all, of course. But uh we just, of course. But remember, you can follow us all on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF at Bogman Sports for myself at IDP Sharks for Gary. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros.
It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories.